Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, this morning what I want to talk about for our homily this morning, I want to reflect with you guys on... um, One of the most difficult things that can happen in any person's life. I want to talk to you about suffering. Suffering is going to show up in every single one of our lives at some point. It's unavoidable. It's one of the most difficult things that any human person can face is suffering. Whether it's we are suffering or someone that we know and we love that they're suffering. But it's unavoidable. It's just part of life. And when suffering shows up, it's not so much the suffering itself that's difficult. It's, it's us trying to make sense of the suffering in light of our faith. Because what ends up happening, we say things like, Lord, why would you allow this to happen to me? Why would you allow this to happen to me? Why aren't you stopping this from happening? Lord, don't you love me? Don't you care? I thought you were good. I thought you were powerful. I thought you cared about me. If all of that's true, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Friends, at some point or another, if you haven't already asked that question, if you haven't dealt with that, you will at some point. Maybe some of you in here in church today right now are dealing with that. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? The reason I want to talk about this is because of the scriptures that we have today, because of the readings that we have. That these scriptures, they invite us to reflect on this, this mystery of suffering, of why would the Lord allow these things? Especially with this first reading that we have, right? The first reading. I just want to recap this first reading so you have a better sense of what was going on. So this first reading, you've got a great battle happening between the Jews, the Israelites, and the Philistines. Say Philistine. The Philistines. The Philistines were not the Israelites. They were a different people, right? The Israelites are God's chosen people. God's chosen people, right? He had been working with him. He saved them from from slavery in Egypt. So the Israelites are God's chosen people, and the Philistines, they are like the enemies of Israel. They are the people who who hate the ways of God. They hate Israel, right? So you've got the God's chosen people versus the Philistines. And in this battle, the Philistines are clobbering the Israelites, right? God's chosen people are getting demolished, which you would think, God, if you're on our side, why you let this happen? to us. And that's exactly what the Israelites say. The Israelites say, why has the Lord permitted us to be defeated today by the Philistines? They're asking the question, God, I thought you were on our side. We thought you loved us. We thought you cared about us. Don't you see that we're getting destroyed? Don't you care? They come up with a plan. They come up with a plan. They say, someone go get the Ark of the It's in Shiloh. It's another town not too far away. The Ark of the Covenant, if you remember, the Ark was that amazing golden box that God told Moses to build, this beautiful golden box. And inside that golden box was the miraculous bread that kept the Israelites alive in their desert wandering, the manna bread, and the two tablets of the law, right, the Ten Commandments, that was inside the box. And also Aaron, who's the high priest, his priestly staff. That was inside the ark. Now, why? here's the question. If they're in this battle, why would they think 
we should get the ark to help us out. It doesn't seem like, you know, it's not as though they're like, all right, someone go get like a tank. We need a tank, right? We need some like, like helicopters or some, some F-16 fighter pilots, right? They're like, we need to go get that golden box. Why would they think that? The reason they thought, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant is because earlier in Israel's history, earlier in their history, when the Israelites were coming into the Promised Land, they came into a city called Jericho. Say Jericho. Jericho had these gigantic walls. It was this powerful city with these huge walls. And Joshua was leading the armies of Israel. And they had the Ark of the Covenant in front of the, the Israelite army. And they had the, ar- the army march around the city of Jericho seven times, once a day for seven days. The Ark of the Covenant was in the front. And then on the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times. And then they blew their horns and they all shouted. They're like, Rah! And all the city walls came crumbling down. The Ark of the Covenant, the Israelites knew in, from their history, the Ark of the Covenant was used in battle. So they're like, let's get the Ark again. It's going to be how we're going to defeat the Philistines. And did it work out for them? No. It didn't help. In fact, the the scripture we had for the Israelites, for God's chosen people, it ends disastrously. This is how the scripture ends. Listen to this. It was a disastrous defeat in which Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of the Covenant was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were among the dead. Friends, this, you couldn't have had a worse ending. You couldn't have had a worse ending. The Israelite army is defeated, the Ark of the Covenant is captured, and the high priest's sons, they're killed. You have to imagine the Israelites are thinking, Why, Lord, why would you let this happen to us? We thought you loved us. We thought we mattered to you. Why would you let this suffering happen to us? And then we would look at the gospel. The gospel we have today, we have this this story of Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Now we hear leprosy, we've we've heard it in scripture before, but just again as a reminder, leprosy was a disease. It was a skin, a flesh-eating disease. It was highly contagious, very dangerous, and according to the laws of Moses, if someone had leprosy, didn't matter how old they were, they were kicked out of their family, they were kicked out of the community, they were kicked out of, they were, they were separated from everybody they know and everything that they loved. You had to live alone. You had to beg for food, you had to scavenge for food. So like, if you had leprosy in the ancient world, that was a terrifying thing. There was no cure. This was your life for the rest of your life. So you have to imagine this guy who gets leprosy. I don't, we don't know how old he is. Let's just imagine maybe he's 10 years old when he gets leprosy. And as soon as he sees it on his skin, he's thinking, oh my gosh, my whole world is over. He has to be apart from his family, apart from a community, apart from everybody he loves. And I'm sure he was thinking, Lord, why would allow this to happen to me. Lord, I go to temple, I pray, I get alms. Why would you allow this suffering to happen to me? Maybe we've thought things like, Lord, why would you allow 
family to go through this, this trial right now. Lord, why would you allow my dad to lose his job, my mom to lose her job? Lord, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you allow this person I love to move away? Why would you let my best friend move away? Why would you let my grandparent die, my grandma, my grandpa? Why would you let this happen to me, Lord? I thought you loved me. Friends, I just want to speak into that this morning. Like, I want to speak from the Father's heart because he wants to tell us about that. You see, God the Father, he wants to say to you, I want your eternal happiness. I don't simply want your earthly happiness, as great as that is. I want your eternal happiness. He's saying, I am never the cause of evil in your life. God never directly causes evil in our life. But yes, the Lord sometimes, oftentimes, allows evil into our life. He says, I have allowed certain sufferings, certain crosses to enter your lives not because I want to punish you. He's saying, but because through this suffering, something more immensely beautiful, something unimaginably good will come out of it. Like, this is what our God does. God brings light out of darkness. He brings so much good out of things that are so bad. It's like it's, it's his wheelhouse. It's where he hits home runs. It's his, that, that's his specialty. Friends, like, it's, it's what he did on the cross. This is the Paschal mystery, right? On Good Friday, like, we killed God. Humanity killed God. There's nothing worse. God allowed his son to suffer and die, to enter into death. But then through that, out of that, comes the resurrection. It comes redemption, salvation. God takes the worst thing and turns it into the best thing. You see, our problem, our struggle is the fact that we are still so little and so small and we can't see how the story is going to end. We can't see what God is planning to do. And so we think, why would you let this happen to me? I prayed for this. I wanted this. And it still happened. Why would you let this happen to me? And he's saying, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm bringing about something even greater, something even more powerful, something even more beautiful that you could never have imagined. Just trust me. Trust me. Like that's, that's where all of this brings us, friends. That's where all of this brings us over and over and over again. The life of Christianity, the life of being a disciple, raise your disciple. If you're not raising your hand, you should raise your hand. Every single one of us, raise your hand. You're like, the life of being a disciple is a life of trust. It's learning to trust. Trust. That's why Jesus, when he appeared to St. Faustina, and he told her to paint this image of divine mercy, he told her, on the bottom, I want you to write these words. He didn't write, Jesus, be merciful. He didn't tell her to write, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, forgive me my sins. He told her to write, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you. Even if I don't get what's going on, I trust in you. Friends, we have a Father. We have a good and loving Father, a God who like, is always paying attention to our lives. He's always paying attention. 
And he's working it out. He's working a plan out that's unbelievable. We have to learn to trust more deeply. To trust more deeply. So I want us to pray together three times those words. Jesus, I trust in you. So let's just pray this together. Jesus, I trust in you. One more time. Jesus, I trust in you. One more time. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen.